Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey, 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 hey. How's it going, everybody? Uh, happy Tuesday to you all. Hope everybody's doing great this evening. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder of the Post Institute, adjusting her light and coming at you live. Look how it gives donuts. Look, donuts? I've got donuts. Donuts in my glasses. <laughs> I'm just chilling while you guys uh, log in so we can talk a little bit this evening. Uh, of course, I want to promote these two absolutely fabulous books. You can get from Fear to Love through our book promo, feartolovebook.com. This is one of the easiest and best reads when it comes to understanding how trauma affects the mind-body system and what we can do as parents and caregivers to help create healing for children who have experienced pre-birth and early life trauma. This book is also helpful for all of us um, just in terms of understanding humanity. So if you're involved in the lives of children in any way, this book is an excellent book. Um, this one is great as well. I don't ever want to downplay this one. This one uh, really dives in to specific behaviors. Um, this one touches on things and like I said, it's designed to be an easy read. It gives us an excellent foundational understanding. This book goes through uh, 27 different behaviors. Uh, that are very common for people who have experienced trauma. It helps us understand those behaviors and it helps us understand what we can do differently because often the traditional parenting paradigm is not helpful and in fact adds fuel to the fire when we're talking about trauma and how it affects the brain. So check these out. Um, so hi everybody. Hi Kirsten. Thanks for saying hello. Mimi, I see you watching, and thank you for always tuning in and being a supporter. Amy, it's good to see you. Anybody else wants to say hi, I'd love to hear it, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into uh, just talking about uh, adoption. Uh, as I mentioned last night, November is a special month in the world of adoption. Uh, there's controversy even in the world of adoption about how to um, acknowledge <laughs> the month of November. Hi, Joni. Nice to see you with us tonight. So I'm just going to talk about that a little bit and then we'll talk about some other things. Um, there's sort of these two, two different, I, in fact, I put two different hashtags because um, I don't have to pick. I don't have to pick a side. I'm not going to pick a side because I can have compassion for the entire picture. So there is adoption month and my understanding is adoption month is about bringing awareness to the need for adoption, the need for permanency for children, the need for the public to have information about how many kids, how many kids across the globe, how many children across the globe, how many children in the U.S., are needing homes they need permanent families and i don't know the exact date i should know this but there's actually like a national adoption day and you'll see that across social media lots of people um it's like a national adoption day where everybody goes to court adoptions are finalized and it's a day where lots of different emotions are felt so um, it's a big deal. So um, every night this month, I'm going to be talking about different aspects of that whole paradigm. So let me just tell you that there are at least 10,000 children per day, 10,000 children per day across the globe who become orphans. 
there are over 140 million orphans across the globe currently. There are over 400,000, so almost half a million children in the U.S. who are in foster care. And what we know is <clears throat> when you are trying to care for that many children, when you're trying to care for children in an orphanage, it's hard to have enough hands to hold all of those babies, to feed all of those babies. So it's very difficult for that to be a really healthy environment. And we know that children in foster care often experience multiple placements and that every placement is a repeated wound of the initial abandonment. So it's very difficult for those kids. It's hard on their hearts. It's hard on their mind-body systems. It's hard on their brain development. So children need family. They need permanency. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about that. Now let's talk a little bit about this adoption awareness piece. And so people who speak from the place of adoption awareness are often wanting to bring to light that the world of adoption is not all sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. It is not a perfect world. It is uh, fraught with lots of complications. Um, not all people who put their children up for adoption. Um, it is said that many of them are coerced into the process. Um, sometimes open adoptions are promised, but then they are not followed through with. Um, and so tonight, I want to talk a little bit about some of the history of adoption as I know it. Um, my mom is an adoptee. <clears throat> she is 70. I have to do the math. Good job. <laughs> Can you see me doing the math? I'm doing my gazendas. Hang on for just a second. <laughs> Let's see. I'm 53, my dad's 83, my mom's seven years younger than my dad, so my mom is 76, I think I win, I think I, <laughs> yes, it's a long journey, Maureen says, and thanks for saying hi, Amy, I appreciate that, so my mom is 76, and she's an adoptee, um, she was adopted at a time when it was a secret, so, uh, she was actually born in California. Um, she, my, her adoptive parents were in California as like they were during the Dust Bowl and after the depression. And so lots of people were in California because Oklahoma experienced the Dust Bowl. And so farmers could not farm in Oklahoma and many people, you know, that song, Okie from Muskogee. Um, and that's a song that talks about being sharecroppers in California. And so my mom was adopted by her parents while they were in Oklahoma. Um, she had brothers who were working in the shipyards in California at the time. And then they were also working in the, um, like in the fruit and vegetable harvesting. And so when they came back to Oklahoma, her birth certificate was forged by a doctor in their hometown. So it shows that her birthplace is Sepulpa, Oklahoma, and it shows that her birth that her parents are Avi and Herman Johnson. And none of that is true. Not a word of it. So her biological history was erased. We have to understand that and remember that there was a time when Giving birth out of wedlock was a shunned experience. That's not so far back in our history. 
we still have evidence of that lingering around. Um, uh, when I think of other adoptees and their stories of learning who their family were and having to get judges' orders to get records unsealed, that was as recent as what, 10 years ago. Um, when I think of other situations and in other in states across the United States, even currently, um, adopted children, once they become adults, do not have access to their birth records. They don't have access, legal access to that information freely. So, that ain't no good, is it? It's not good. It's not good for them. It's not a child-friendly process. And yet it's supposed to be all about the child. So this is something like adoption. It's supposed to be all about the children. It's supposed to be all about getting children into secure, permanent homes. And yet there's so many obstacles about that. There's so many, uh, There's in some situations, depending on the process of adoption, um, it can be extremely expensive, ten to $50,000 um, through private adoption agencies. I did read that in many states, if you go through a foster to adopt program, it's more like $2,000 and oftentimes those fees are waived. So I'm not an expert. I don't count me as an expert about the process of adoption, but I just want to let you guys know that it can be fraught with difficulty. And yes, the fact that birth records are sealed and that people do not have access to their own information it's, it's very sad. It's very sad. So, um, adoption month. Children do need permanency. They do need forever homes. And there are still lots of problems in the world of adoption. There was actually a, an error in the adoption industry that many refer to as the baby scoop error. Um, I'd have to, in fact, I'll come back with specific dates. I've got a picture of what it looked like. Um, so I'm gonna try the best I can from the picture in my brain to set specific times, but I'm thinking it was probably from about 1930 to maybe like 1970, 80. So it was a pretty big time frame. Um, I watched a movie not that long ago about a doctor who um, delivered many, many babies to many unwed mothers and did many backdoor adoptions. Um, most of these women were mistresses to people, uh, to men of wealth, and so they would have affairs, and biologically speaking, pregnancy happens, and um, these men would pay for this doctor to perform, to help the baby uh, be born, for the woman to give birth, and then they would arrange these private secret adoptions. So yeah, the history of adoption is very, uh, it's very mixed. And so I think we have to have that in our heart we, when we have these understandings, when we understand um, when, especially when we're listening to adult adoptees speak, I think we really need to listen to what they're saying. Their account of their experience is valid and real and we can learn from it. So if we listen with an open heart, um, sometimes the, the things that they say may be very barbing. It may be difficult to hear. It may be things that are sort of almost hard to stomach. Um, but it's very real and it's really important for us to learn because when we can do that, when we can, you know, like I don't have to choose a side. When we can embrace the fact that this is a complex process, 
then we all win. It helps us to have empathy for our child. It helps us to have empathy and understanding for their family of origin, for their, you know, even the term family of origin, first family, tummy family, tummy mama, birth mama, real mama, all these sorts of words um, can be very triggering. And so being very mindful about how we talk about it, being mindful about um, what the experience really is, I think is extremely important and extremely valuable. And so as I say that, um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, this is actually coming straight out of this book, Chapter 3 of Brian's book, From Fear to Love. And this book was actually written in 2010, but Brian was one of the very first people to actually talk about um, the importance of the womb experience and to talk about the reality that Adoption is trauma. It may be an unavoidable trauma. It may be sort of the lesser of two traumas, so to speak, but it is trauma and that's real. And it's important for us to just understand that, to embrace it, um, to avoid it whenever we can, but it's not always avoidable. And it's been around forever since the beginning of having babies. Um, whether it's because uh, a, a mother died or a father died or uh, it may have happened initially through, honestly, you know, when I think about tribes and tribal living, uh, first adoptions may have actually started as a form of slavery. So, I mean, think about it, right? I'm just like, I'm just kind of pulling that out. I'm like, when I really stop and think about it and put my mind to it, there's a lot to the history of adoption and it's always been around and it's always been needed and it's not going to not be needed. But what we can do is we can, you know, that term normalizing it, we can begin to normalize that this is one way that families get created and that's okay. It's okay. So, um... When I look at chapter three, it reminds me of a video that Brian made back when we were doing DVD recordings. And he did a, a video, um, I remember it clearly, um, they were recording in Denver and doing a big presentation there. And he had a co-presenter, her name is Dr. Jason Indart. And so they were kind of tag teaming and it was a really great presentation. But during the presentation, Brian has two people from the audience come up and um, he tells them that they're going to pretend that they're getting married, and so the, the and so they did a, a male female version of getting married, and so the man is standing there looking at Brian as if Brian is the minister, and the woman goes back as if she's going to walk up the aisle, and they swap somebody else. They swap and give a different woman to be the person who comes up the aisle. And so the man standing there, and these people don't even know each other, right? So this is all just, you know, off the cuff right here in the moment. The man turns around to meet his bride as she's right there. And you could just immediately see the emotional experience just from that bit of expectation. So imagine nine months in the womb, all you hear is what's going on in the mother's world. You smell the mother, you hear the heartbeat of the mother, you hear the mother's voice. When I say nine months, when I'm teaching, and I don't know if I've done this on any of the Facebook Lives, I always do this. 
Because it's not nine months like you and I know nine months where you're like in and out, you're moving around, you're doing this, you're doing that, you have all this activity, you know, all these things. It's nine months in solitary confinement when that is all, that's everything. It's your entire world. The fetus's entire world is the womb. I said last night, the womb is sacred. Pregnancy is a sacred time. So when we think about that and then we think about adoption, even adoption at birth, we're removing the baby from everything they know. And at a baseline, that is traumatic. Again, I'm not saying it's, it's not like saying it's worse or better. It just, it, it is an is, it is a fact, it is a reality. And it's something that we need to know. We need to understand it so that we can embrace our children and understand how it is that they may be struggling so the title of the chapter that I was referencing, Don't Ever Underestimate the Role of Trauma. Dr. Marcy Axness, who wrote a beautiful book called Parenting for Peace, she puts it like this. The baby's brain, the baby's mind-body system is being wired for the world it expects to be born to. It's pretty profound, isn't it? So, never underestimate the role of trauma. It has a dramatic impact on the mind-body system. That doesn't mean that healing isn't possible. That doesn't mean that love isn't an abundant, amazing healing process. But it does mean that we need to have a thoughtful heart. We need to realize it's not all about us. <laughs> I know, contrary to popular belief, right? You know, I say that with humor because it can become all about us if we're not careful. You know, if we're not mindful, we might come into a city, we might, we might be in the process of adopting and I know our joy and our excitement and our thrill of bringing this baby into our family, maybe a baby that you've been waiting for and yearning for. And yet we also have to honor the fact that this baby may be experiencing grief and loss. Although babies don't process it verbally the same way they do, that we do, they still experience it. The Body Keeps the Score is an excellent book for helping us understand how pre-birth and early life experiences get stored in our cells, get stored in our state level, level memory, get stored in our brainstem. So as you're thinking about your child, think about those things. Hold those things close to your heart. They're beautiful and they're precious. And it helps us understand why, why sometimes the traditional parenting approaches may not be very helpful for those babies. They may be more sensitive. They may need a little extra TLC. They may need more calm. They may need our help to help build the emotional regulatory system. That, that's what attachment and bonding offers. It offers the opportunity for the, the, so we're born with the amygdala, right? We're born with the amygdala that senses dis-ease and distress. It pours out cortisol so that the baby cries to alert the caregiver. The, care, the caregiver comes and soothes and comforts the baby. And what that does is it helps build what's called the oxytocin response. So the oxytocin response helps the outpouring of the love hormone, the cuddle chemical, oxytocin. And one of oxytocin's job is to help modulate the cortisol over time. 
over lots of time, over lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of repetition, the brain will learn that when cortisol comes, doop, oxytocin comes right after. So love truly is healing. There's lots of hope, but we have to have a deep understanding of what our child's experiences are and also what our experiences are. So with that, I'm going to say good night. Joni said that she just started listening to The Body Keeps the Score. It is an excellent read. And I'll tell you, if you love deep reading, um, back in the back, if you, I don't know if you have Brian's books or not, but his reading recommendation list is literally, let's see, page 114 to page uh, 123. Yeah, he's pretty well studied in this area, that's for sure. So, I'm going to close for tonight. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Remember what Brian tells us. In any given moment, we can act out of our same blueprints of fear and stress and overwhelm. Or we can take one to two to three to ten to twenty, however many deep breaths we need to take until we feel our brain begin to calm and quiet and we can choose love. When you lay your head down tonight, put all those worries to the side, all those things that you've picked apart. Why did this happen? Why did they do that? Da -da 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 -da, all that da -da 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 that we do in our brain. Set that aside. Pick one thing from the day, one moment. It could be a moment of connection. It could be a moment of laughter. Maybe it's a moment of quiet. It could even be a moment that had conflict in it but you found resolution. So take that moment and blow that up like a great big balloon and let that be what you rest your mind in so it becomes the building block for tomorrow. Much love to you guys. We appreciate all that you do. Thanks for following our page. Thanks for being supporters. And thanks for all that you do day in and day out to create healing for your children. Y'all take care.